Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. We are a community of people learning the way of Jesus to bless our city of Boise, Idaho, and beyond. Redemption Hill is a unique place. We are a collective of micro churches that do life together throughout the week and gather on Sundays to grow, worship, and celebrate what God is doing in our city. You are invited to join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. in the Boise Friends Church Gymnasium, where you can find the community you need in any season of your life. More details can be found at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the teaching segment from this week's Sunday Gathering. Afterwards, stay tuned for more information on how to get connected at Redemption. And these aren't like emails to like our buddies at work or as my students might say, DMs we're trying to slip into. These are just letters to the church to encourage them, to love them, to serve them, to, to like really edify and uplift them. Um, just to read a few that I love, Acts 2, 44 through 47. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In 1 Peter 3.8, it says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. In 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Even in the Old Testament, I just want to read a couple. Love is present throughout. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 through 10, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. In Genesis 1, 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. This love was released to create. From beginning to end and everywhere in between, the Bible just clearly communicates the, just loving well is important. But it also just communicates that loving well was never meant to be done, done alone. Um, it's always just meant in the context of just community on mission, loving each other and loving the world. At Redemption Hill, we believe this. One of our core values reads, we commit each, our lives to each other. We believe God calls us into mission together, never alone. We value mission and ministry done in the community. We believe that God did not intend for us to be alone and that isolation, fear of each other, and spiritual competitions are cancers in the church. And we believe that moral and theological failures, controlling leadership, and many of our emotional struggles stem from a lack of community. We value free, com committed, and loving friendships. Whenever possible, we will lead through teams and the sharing of life at every level with trusted friends who are an extension of the grace and presence of God in our lives. And I love this because it's not just a commitment to each other in this room. It's a commitment to the greater body of the church, you know? Like, we have micro churches, we have this syndicate, all this, like, we're committed to each other, you know? It's bigger than this room. It's bigger than ourselves. Um, last week, Bob explored um, this like, community committed to each other by talking about um, 
loving well through humility. Um, pride says, I'm more important than you, so I deserve more of my own attention and love than you do. But humility says, I'm no more important than you. Let me care about your burdens. Let me care about your needs. And this, this is what I want to like lean into this morning, this idea uh, that a commitment to each other is a commitment to each other's burdens and needs. Um, in Galatians 6, 2, Paul writes, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Committing to each other, loving well, again, just means a commitment to each other's burdens, a commitment to each other's needs. I was talking about Annie, about this with Annie and my wife, and, and she was just reminding me, like, yeah, that's like similar to marriage, where when times are really good, times are very difficult, um, it doesn't matter. There's just this commitment to each other. You know, your love for that person, it starts off with just like an attitude, but it moves quickly into action, um, where no matter what, um, there's this closeness and connectedness where their burdens, their needs become your burdens and your needs. Um, but for us to operate from this place and carry each other's burdens, I think like a couple things need to happen. I think the first thing is just like this commitment to an intimacy of relationship. Um, and intimacy of relationship isn't solely for marriage. Um, that's just a false truth. And I was just thinking about it, like that's that can be such an idol um, that we need to reject where intimacy of relationship is for everyone, you know, and, and our commitment to each other. And just Jesus, I just pray that in our valley, if, even even here, if it's an idol, just remove that. Will we just have this intimacy of relationship with each other? Um, for us to commit to each other's burdens and needs, we need to know about each other's burdens and needs, right? And to know about each other's burdens and needs, there needs to be this relationship where burdens and needs are shared. So I keep looking at the light, and then I keep looking down, and I'm like, I can't see. <laughs> uh, sorry if I'm like hesitating, you know? Uh, rubbing, you know, we need to like rub shoulders with one another, you know, share a meal, take a trip, I love that community camp out we had. That was so good for Annie and my like soul. Um, we need to just go beyond that beautiful coffee and snack table and really make time for each other outside of church. Um, and there needs to just be this honest vulnerability where we share our needs and burdens. At camp, I was talking to Zach Lowell. Lovell, am I saying that? Yeah, and uh, he was just sharing how one thing he loves about Redemption Hill is just he can just shoot out a text, like, hey, we're, we're going to be over here, and people show up. There's like this interruptibility and this hangout culture that's really um, beautiful. I love that. For me, though, I struggle sometimes with like making time for people, and, um, and sometimes it can feel like a chore, especially when I'm in the middle of a project and I actually do need people to help me <laughs> carry my burden. It's just, for whatever reason, it's just easier for me to get in my car, drive to the store, don't talk to anybody, pick up a power tool, drive home and do it, rather than going across the street 
having a 20-minute conversation, asking if I could borrow the tool, borrowing that tool, using it, bringing it back, having another 20-minute conversation. <laughs> and I'm just like, I just want to get this done. And so it almost feels like a burden to have someone else carry my burdens. Uh, you know, can you relate with this? Like, but but I've, I found when I like resist the urge to just rely on my own strength and be this isolated individual that just, I'm going to get it done. And sometimes, even if I have the tool, I feel like God's just like, lean on your neighbors in this moment. The other day I did that, I, and I love my next door neighbor. I'm not going to name drop. Not that you know this person, <laughs> but they are a talker. <laughs> and I needed to get stuff done. But I, I felt like God was like, lean on this person for a ladder. You have a ladder. She has a little bit bigger of a ladder. Lean on this person. I go over, and we're talking, and I was like, just keep in this room. I was like, Martha, can I borrow your ladder? And she's like, oh, sure. And then, but also this, this, and that, you know. We talk for a little bit, and it comes up that she's just having, like, struggles in her family. And, um, and just, she opens up. And I realized this wasn't an opportunity for me, for Martha to carry my burden, but it was for me to carry Martha's burden. And we, we, we found ourselves praying on her front lawn for her and her family. You don't get that kind of stuff when you just hoard your needs and your burdens and try to operate out of your own strength. That is just evil and kind of alive from the enemy in a lot of ways. Our commitment to each other is a commitment to sharing our needs with the community and allowing the community to help meet those needs and carry those needs. Um, but another like level to that, I think, is just to get to a level of intimacy of relationship, there needs to be a deep, deep, deep level of acceptance. And deep acceptance where people can trust that you, your love for them is not conditional. I'm good at judging people. Y'all know those this quick second judgments we have of people at the store or wherever, you know? You're taking so long to check that person out. <laughs> Pick up the pace, you know? But Jesus didn't do that. Um, this week I've just been kind of in the story of Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus is, is this tax collector. Um, Zacchaeus was Jewish, and he took a job to work for the Romans who were oppressing the Jewish nation. One analogy I heard about this that I really liked was just imagine that some country conquered the United States. They parachuted in, and they just took all our stuff and took over. Okay? Ernie's loving this. Like, he's like, no way. <laughs> uh, uh, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. Yeah. But just, just play along. Imagine. And then imagine your next-door neighbor goes to work for that new government, and then their job is to go door-to-door to, door to your door and your neighbor's door and collect money to give to this new ruler. I imagine we would have some thoughts about this person, some snap judgments about this person. But when Jesus meets Zacchaeus, he says, I got to go to your house first.
for food, for a meal. In Jesus' day, staying at someone's house and eating a meal meant that you were friends with this person, that you valued this person, that you cared for this person, that you enjoyed being around this person. When Jesus met with Zacchaeus, he, w- he begins with love and acceptance. He doesn't start off by saying, hey man, I can go to your house, but we got to talk, talk about how you are extorting people of money. You know, until you do this, then we could be friends. Uh, but again, he's, he, Jesus meets Zacchaeus and he begins his love and acceptance. Acceptance, it's worth noting, doesn't equal affirmation. That is, accepting someone's humanity doesn't mean you approve of everything they do, but acceptance must precede obedience. We can never obey God until we are first accepted by God, and we'll never experience acceptance by God until we are accepted by God's people. So intimacy of relationship and acceptance are key, but when we don't commit to each other, when there isn't intimacy of relationship, when there isn't this deep acceptance, real harm can occur. When we look at the church today, what pieces of brokenness come to mind? What pieces of sin do we see because there's a lack of love, a lack of acceptance, and a lack of commitment to each other and relationships. When I look around at the church, and I kind of ask this question like, who's in the room, and why is that? And then who isn't in the room, and why is that? I'm just reminded of all my friends, my family, my neighbors, like people in my city that just don't go to church anymore. The reason they don't go as you can imagine, are all over the board. But there's a lot of stories, my friends share a lot of stories of just induced trauma, um, misuse of power, disunity, and ultimately a lack of love and acceptance. Did you know that the LGBTQ plus community, about 83% of those people that grew up in the church, the fact is they didn't leave the church because of theological messages on marriage and sexuality. They left because they were dehumanized. One story about this um, I found in the book of Grace and Truth by Preston Sprinkle, and he shares the story of Ben Wood. Ben was a gay Christian teen who was active in the church. One day at youth group, his pastor shamed him in front of the entire group, and this is what he said. He said, you all know Ben is gay. Who here is comfortable being around him? Do you understand that Ben is going to hell? Ben was told that he could not attend the upcoming missions trip, that he didn't deserve to be a part of the youth group. Ben was shamed, humiliated, and betrayed by other kids in the group who were pressured into agreeing with with the youth pastor. I have... I have a friend who's part of the Navajo Nation, and he shared with me, he's like, when the church comes to the reservation, we act like we're not home. They put on, like, VBSs 
and build projects, which are nice, but we don't actually feel love. We feel like we're being burdened to follow their God, to, to assimilate to just a, a conditional love that says, until you do this, this, and this, then you'll be accepted. Instead, they should just, there isn't a space to just listen to their stories and look for the image of God that's already there, the work of Jesus that's already happening. When there isn't commitment to each other, a commitment to just intimacy and connectedness, um, sorry, um, the church becomes a burden. And I know just the goodness of this church, and I know what the church can become. And the, um, when Paul made this statement about carrying each other's burden, he wasn't trying to give the church something to do or just saying, in order for you to be loved, you got to do this so other people can belong. The truth is they were already part of the body of Christ. They, were already, they already belonged. Jesus said that we are justified by faith, not by doing or getting other people to just conform to us. John Stout says this, he says, but Paul may be saying to them, in effect, that instead of imposing the law as a burden upon others, they should rather lift the burdens and so fulfill Christ's law. To carry each other's burdens was to get the church to stop being a burden and to commit to each other so they could become more of a blessing, more of an expression of God's full, genuine, the best love ever, right? Uh, some of y'all maybe heard this analogy, but in Belgium there's these like wicked strong horses. They're called Belgium draft horses. It's big. One horse can pull 8,000 pounds by themselves. The interesting fact is that when two horses pull a load together, they don't pull 16,000 pounds. The team can pull 22,000 pounds together. And when they train together and they pull together, they can pull up to 32,000 pounds together. Two are better than one. A commitment to each other is better than a commitment to yourself. Imagine, like, what might happen to our city, our neighborhoods, and our churches if this commitment to each other and our burdens was just, like, doused with the Holy Spirit, like empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we're just like, we're going to live this out deeply. Um, when the people of God commit to each other and, and, and commit to God and the Holy Spirit is on it, crazy things, it gets buck wild sometimes. Radical love is expressed. People's lives are just so transformed. There's like freedom. Imagine looking around this room and seeing every corner of every neighborhood represented. And this, I'm not talking about, we just want people in the room so we have a good picture for our website. I'm talking the diversity of the kingdom of God, where every tribe, tongue, and nation, everyone in our neighborhoods is seen as like, you are worth sacrificing and loving for. Because Jesus says, he looks at every person in every city of, in our neighborhoods and says, you are, you are worth suffering, sacrificing, and carrying the burdens for, and loving. Imagine if we committed to each other's burdens so much that one microchurch was like, yo, there's someone in my neighborhood down the street that is struggling with their mortgage payment. And we're just like, 
All right. So we took on their mortgage payment and we paid off their house. What kind of like expression of love is that? Imagine if our, if our like micro churches like deeply knew the needs of our, of our neighborhoods and just were like, we're gonna carry these together. These are our burdens, these are our needs. One of my favorite stories um, is, a, is like a micro church slash small group, a group of college students, upperclassmen in, at UNLV. They, um, they just were like, man, we, we are committed to each other and we wanna love freshmen. So upperclassmen moved in to freshman dorms and they just like did some buck wild things because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, committed to each other, and, and wanted to carry the needs of each other and their mission field. One of them realized, man, like there's a lot of people in this dorm that don't have transportation. They're freshmen, they're just walking everywhere or whatever, you know? And so what they did was they bought better car insurance and then they hung their car key outside of their dorm room door with a sign that says, look, if you need to go get groceries, if you need to go, you know, for an errand, if you just need to go for some alone time and drive, the car is yours. Just put some gas in it and try to park it in the same spot. That's crazy. Crazy things can happen when the people of God are just committed to each other, where we meet each other's burdens and needs, and we're just empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? But I think this kind of blessing takes time. It's similar to just getting in shape, you know? You kind of got to just work out your faith and, and do it in community with Jesus so we can become a greater expression. Um, we talk about we want to have a micro church in every neighborhood and a missionary on every block. That's, I love that vision. And we can be such a blessing um, to this city. But I think we got to work out our faith a little bit. And, and so I wanted to drop a couple faith exercises that we can do as a community to commit more to each other so we can love well. Um, the first, we've talked about this, is just knowing your identity, right? Before Jesus did anything, the Father just spoke identity, that you are beloved. Um, growing in a deep understanding of God's love for you and who specifically God calls you is so important. It prevents, it can prevent you from being derailed by just the spiritual warfare, the culture, or just different pieces of brokenness. Like, it's just like, no, this is who I am, and this is the God I love, and this is where we're going. Um, identity. And so praying and asking God, like, God, who do you call me? And also, what don't you call me? And having Jesus bring freedom. The second, and, I've, and I've, I kept bringing this up, it's just the Holy Spirit. I think what I love about the book of Acts is just like, it's not like Peter was filled one time with the Holy Spirit. Throughout Acts, there's just like these fillings. So we have access to just be like, Jesus, fill me up more with your Spirit. I want more of your Spirit so I can just commit more to just each other and our burdens and love more. And the third, the third thing that I want to just end on um, and just lean into a little bit is called intercessory prayer. Um, simply put, if you don't know, intercessory prayer or intercession is just individuals, groups, or events um, 
that pray together. Its purpose is to pray in cooperation with God to bring forth what he wants to accomplish in that time and place and to stand firm in the spirit against enemy interference. If y'all know Moses, y'all know intercessory prayer. Um, in Deuteronomy 9, 16, I'm just going to read a little bit. It says, When I looked, I saw that you had sinned against the Lord your God. This is Moses. You had made your, for yourselves an idol and cast in the shape of a calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way of the Lord, had, what, had, what the Lord had commanded you. So I took the two tablets and threw them out of my hands, breaking them to pieces before your eyes. Then once again, I fell prostrate before the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. I ate no bread, I drank no water, because of all the sin you had committed, doing what was evil in the Lord's sight, and so provoking him to anger. This is kind of an intense passage, but what I want to focus on is the people of God were, were burdened by their sins and were suffering because of that. So Moses, for 40 days, he fasted and prayed for the people. Um, to carry the burdens of the people, Moses didn't enter into their sin, but entered into a form of suffering for their sin so he could pray from that place for the people. When we pray for people, we often are just like, Lord, you know, bless this person, be with this person. It's like a petitionary prayer, which is really good. But what intercession does is it asks God, how can I be with the people in these prayers? What position, what posture do I need to take? How can I enter into suffering on their behalf to really pray for them? Jordan Sang in the book Miracle Work says, the essence of intercession is to share someone's burden and then to pray powerfully to God from that place of burden. I've been, I have a, a I'm a campus minister and I'm, I oversee a couple different staff. And one example of, of this is one of my staff is moving to Twin and she doesn't have a place to live. And she's moving in two weeks. And we're praying and trying to find different things. And, and so one of the things that I, I, I've been trying to do as like a, a form of like reminder is like putting a sleeping bag and like a mat next to my bed of just like Mika is, is homeless right now if she moves to Twin. And praying from this place of like on a sleeping bag and on a mat. When Jesus laid down his life and carried our burdens to the cross, he communicated that every person is worth suffering and sacrificing for. When we accept Jesus' life into ours, his life becomes ours. We are called to commit to each other and see each other as people worth suffering and sacrificing for. A commitment to each other here in Redemption Hill is a commitment right to the body of Christ, to our neighbors in our city. To close, I want to end in a time of just like listening prayer and kind of intercession of just like, Jesus, who do you want us to see? What burdens can we carry? And what do you want us to do about that in response? Um, I do this with students. It's called cup prayer. It's just kind of a, a structured prayer visualization exercise just to kind of help us focus and just focus on Jesus. So if you would, um, 
just get in a comfortable position. I'm not going to do anything weird, I promise. Uh, I'm going to bop you on the head. Uh, close your eyes, and I want you to just take your palms and like form a cup like this, just right before your face, you know? Holy Spirit, you're already here. Um, we just invite more of you to just calm down. Right now, Holy Spirit, would you just speak identity over us? Who do you call us? What names do you give us? And as you're doing that, just remove the false, the lies, just the things that are just are attached to us that we think is our identity, but it's really just a, it's, it's not. Just speak in this moment some identity over us. And kind of allow it to just fill your hands, if you can. Just imagine Jesus is placing images and words of just who you are. And it's okay if you're not hearing anything. I just want to just say, Jesus, you are speaking identity, and you call us beloved, and we are loved. Jesus, what do you want us to know about committing to each other? Are there specific needs or burdens? You're just like, I want you to meet these or carry these. What do you want us to know about this? Would you just speak, Holy Spirit? Jesus, in response to that, what do you want us to do? And kind of allow Jesus to speak into your hands. Again, it could be images or a verse or a word. you to kind of just close your palm, hands real quick and um, I want you to imagine or just put those off to the side for just a, a, just a second. Bring your palms back up. Um, if there's anything like distracting or maybe there's like specific sin that you're wrestling with, or just um, brokenness of the church that's just on your mind, I just want you to imagine them falling in your hands right now. We're not going to carry these. We're going to bring these to Jesus in a minute, but I just want you to just imagine your hands just filling up with pieces of maybe sin or brokenness or distraction or worry or stress.
even the lie of like, there is just, there, we don't have enough time to do this. I want you to imagine now, you cup your hands, and I want you to imagine Jesus' hands are under yours. And I want you to just open your hands and let everything fall out into Jesus' hands. Allow him to just take it from you and receive it. Just let it all fall out. Jesus, we just, as an act of confession and just repentance, we just want to turn to you and bring you just our everything and acknowledge our just pieces of brokenness and sin or just stress and worry and distracted. We just bring this before you, Jesus. And when it's kind of all kind of trickled out, um, I want you to like re-cup your hands one last time and just ask Jesus, say, Jesus, what do you want to put in my hands right now? What do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do? And just take a moment listening and receiving from Jesus. open your eyes. I, I think it's important for the community of God, if once they hear, once they're like trying to listen to God, you know, to kind of like share if they feel like things can come up so we can kind of like either discern as a community because sometimes it's like, I saw this, but maybe that's the pizza I had last night or maybe, you know, so we can put it to the, against the Bible and stuff. So just open real quick. They didn't even feel like anything was coming up for them that they want to share. strange, but I, I, I feel like I got the image of a banana. Does, any, does that mean anything to anyone? Maybe that's the pizza last night, but it's worth sharing. Okay. Well, let me pray us out. Uh, worship team can come back up. Thank you so much for giving me your time. I really appreciate it. Jesus, um, thank you for just the people in this room. Um, thank you for this church. Um, there's beauty and brokenness in everything, Lord, and we just, we just want to be more with you, more free, more healed. And so continually help us to just commit to each other, carrying each other's burdens and needs, and loving well so we can like bring that to our neighborhoods and our city. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at redemptionboise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.